Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Housewife in Training. It's me, your host, Orhei Ishaya. I have been MIA for quite a while, but for good reason. We have been doing lots of remodeling around my house, so there's been lots and lots of noise that has made it extremely difficult to record. But I'm back. My dad is away at work, so I have a few hours of peace, and I'm definitely taking advantage of it. Before I jump into this week's topic, I am going to be cringe and ask everyone who is listening to like and subscribe to my podcast. I have had some people ask me if I could bring my mom on that on the show or um, have an episode with her, which I am obsessed with that idea. But because I think it's going to be quite an interesting episode, in my opinion, um, I want to be at least at least like, I don't know, 100 followers. I think I'm at 75 across platforms, so it doesn't seem too unrealistic. So if I sound congested throughout this episode, it's because I am. My mom made me mow the grass this morning. If you follow me on Instagram, housewife in training underscore, then you would have seen my story. And that uh, the grass definitely exasperated my allergies. So I apologize in advance. But enough of that. Let's just get into confessions of an introvert. Right. As with most stories, let's start from the beginning. Ever since I was young, I have always been okay playing kind of on my own. My parents tell me how I used to sit in the room for hours and play with my toys, like my dolls especially. I had a very intense imagination as a child. You guys remember the episode of SpongeBob where he goes, imagination. <laughs> yeah, that episode describes me perfectly. And I was never bothered with being alone because when I was younger, I also lived with three of my other cousins, so I would play with them a lot. What I mean is there was definitely periods of time I would just choose to play on my own. I would talk to myself a lot, and I mean a lot, have full-blown conversations in the mirror. Um, I was literally my own best friend. However, I want to say around elementary school, this introversion was definitely something more forced than chosen. I unfortunately didn't have actual friends at elementary school. I mean, I wouldn't be eating lunch on my own. I'd be with a group of classmates, but I can't really sit here and say like, oh yeah, that one or these people were my actual friends because no one chose to hang out with me. Uh, I kind of just lingered around them, which is really sad. It makes me want to hug my younger self, but I was definitely a little ostracized by my peer group at school. I just didn't fit in. I didn't wear the same clothes they wore, went to the same places their families went to, watch the same shows or movies they did, or even listen to the same songs. Guys, I'm pretty sure I didn't listen to English songs until like the sixth grade because my parents would always make me listen to Assyrian songs. I also didn't eat the same lunches as them or get to go over their houses for like birthday parties. Just very, very different. I was extremely sheltered and still in my Assyrian bubble. It's like I'm physically living in America, but my entire upbringing was as if I was living in the Middle East. There was just no give or take. I remember when I was like, I don't know, maybe seven, there was a song on Blue's Clues about being anything you want to be as a grown up. And I think it was just singing about how you can be a doctor, a painter, a writer, whatever. And my mom heard it and immediately shut off the TV and said, no, you can't. So even Blue's Clues was sometimes considered as sharing too many American views that would poison my little child brain. Now that I'm older, I know the words to use to describe these events. For instance, there was a lot of internal tension between 
who I wanted to be and who I actually was. Now I know that all of this happened because my family just refused to take part in any type of assimilation to the American culture in my very early years of life. And now I also know that these type of things can have a lot of mental health effects on young children. Hint, hint, me, a prime example. So back to not having friends. Yeah, that was extremely lonely as a child. I used to act very weird to try to fit in. It's like if I saw someone doing something I thought was cool, I try to do it. But it would just come off as me being a copycat. And I honestly can say I did not have my own identity at all when I was a child. I tried to be the girly girl, the sporty girl, the funny girl. But none of those hats fit me very well because it obviously wasn't me. I have never admitted this to a person, but I think it's finally time to come clear. So Lauren from the second grade, if you're listening, this one is for you. In second grade, I had bought this little tiny notepad from the book fair One day in class, I thought it would be fun to write messages to this girl, Lauren, and leave them in her desk. It would be things like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing, or just a note that said hi. Well, I thought it would be hilarious and appropriate if I wrote a note that said, you're stupid, exclamation point. In my defense, I thought she was going to laugh like, ha ha, two friends just picking at each other. But boy, was I wrong. After placing the note in her desk, I see her bawling her eyes out to the teacher. I had no idea why she was crying and I definitely didn't think it was because of my note until the teacher called me over and asked if I had written you're stupid and put it in her desk. And if you listen to my episode Liar Liar, then you can probably guess what I did next. I denied, denied, denied. I swore up and down that I did not write her that note, which now looking back, the teacher for sure knew I was lying because no one else had that shape of paper or that paper that small. But the boy sitting across from me, shout out Derek Finney, had my back and kept telling the teacher he was watching me the entire time and did not see me write that letter. So I don't know, whatever. The rest of the day goes on normal. I don't think much of it. I didn't really get in trouble because the teacher couldn't prove that it was me. Everything seemed fine. Until the next morning, I walk up to Lauren before school's about to start, as I always did, to ask her to play. But she would not look at me. She wouldn't talk to me, kept walking away from me and making everyone else walk away from me, too. And I kept trying like for a while up until that point. I don't think I really understood the concept of what it means when someone's ignoring you. I I didn't have that word as part of my immigrant vocabulary, but eventually I just kind of gave up and went to sit outside of my classroom and also bawled my eyes out, like hysterically crying. I remember crying so loud and hard that the teacher opened her door and was just like, what what is going on? And I tell her, so she gets me and the girl together and asks her, like, what's going on? Why are you not um, playing with Erhe? To which Lauren says that her mom told her that she needed to ignore me and stop being friends with me because I called her stupid. And I kid you not, I think that's when I learned what the word ignore meant. Obviously, though, the teacher isn't going to go against what this girl's mom is telling her to do. She just tries to probably give us, I can't remember, I think she would try to give us a speech about how we needed to be nice to people. But there wasn't any like conflict resolution. It's not like me and Lauren continued to play with each other after that. And folks, that's when everything basically went downhill in in my elementary school career. If I did have a friend in first and second grade, it was definitely Lauren. Like she was the absolute sweetest kid. In fact, I think she won most friendly in eighth grade. But besides the point, Lauren never forgave me. And 
I literally mean never. And to be fair, I never confessed. In fact, I brought it up again to her in sixth grade asking if she still thought it was me. And she said yes. And I still denied it at that point. But yeah, so I never technically was alone. I inserted myself into friend groups and tried to be so much like other kids, but I was for sure lonely. My situation in terms of my parents accepting their American culture and assimilating a little bit never happened. So I continued to just be someone everyone probably thought was weird, but also didn't not like me. I don't know. I can't speak on how they felt, but I can definitely speak on how it felt to me. I mean, because of all of this, I kind of had to force myself to be okay with feeling lonely to the point where it kind of became comforting. Remember when I said I was weird? Yeah, I would cry a lot if someone upset me. And these group of girls thought it was hilarious um, that I would cry so much that this one friend would come up to me and tell me, I don't want to be your friend anymore because it would end up with me just crying on the playground until fifth grade when she came up to me once and said, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And I just looked at her and was like, okay, and continued to play on the monkey bars. Don't get me wrong, I definitely wanted to cry, but I remember seeing her talk to her group of friends and then walk over to me from across the field, and I just knew what was going to happen, so I told myself, don't react, don't let them upset you, and it totally worked because the girl just stood there stunned and was like, but I said, I don't want to be friends with you anymore, and I just kept saying, okay, and giving her a weird look like, the F you want me to do about it? And she eventually walked away back to her group of friends and they were all like super confused, but I didn't care. I just made it a point to no longer let them use my emotions against me. Fifth graders are absolute snakes and that's all I have to say about that. Now fast forwarding kind of to junior high, if elementary school was bad, yeah, junior high was its own intense preteen drama filled movie. A lot changes in junior high. Girls and boys start dating, hanging out and going to the movies, forming little like popularity groups and cliques. People start noticing you a little bit more in terms of kind of your you being different than them. And like I said, I inserted myself into these, these groups of people. I would sit down and eat lunch with everyone, walk with them to class, but it was just like this sad little wannabe puppy. And if you don't believe me, Guys, I was so desperate to be in their little clique that I would carry their backpacks to class. Let me repeat that. I was so desperate to be in their little cliques that I became their freaking donkey. Just so embarrassing. And, you know, kind of besides the point. But what also starts happening a lot in junior high is gossip. Spilling the tea, if you will. And in the group of girls I would hang out with, a lot of gossip would happen and me trying to so desperately be liked by them would sometimes participate until it bit me in the ass and I experienced what I now would probably say being bullied, but I don't think back then I thought of it that way. I don't know. Somehow, one day I came to school and the same thing happened to me like it did in the second grade. And one of the girls, let's call her Stacy, was completely ignoring me. And I even remember asking her, do you want me to carry your backpack? And she said, no. I'm not sure how I found out what happened. I want to say this girl, let's call her Abby, told me that Stacy thinks I called her a slut. Mind you, I did not call her slut. I can admit I wrote stupid on that piece of paper in second grade and put it in Lauren's desk, but I did not call Stacy a slut. Guys, I'm pretty sure I didn't even know what the what that word even meant back then. But do you know who did indicate to me that she was a slut? Abby. I remember clear as day how Abby was telling me Stacy was too obsessed with this guy, let's call him Tom, and how she was acting like a slut. Whatever. I obviously wasn't going to stand up for myself in front of Abby. I 
had no backbone, but I did what I did best and cried. I felt so sick to my stomach that I asked to be sent to the guidance counselor. And I told her everything, who also, before I continue, this woman was an absolute busy. The counselor's daughter was probably the worst human being I'd ever met at that time. Like, she actually once shoved me off the playground. But no one believed me because she was the guidance counselor's daughter. But, okay, the guidance counselor calls Stacy into her office. And we all sit and have a chat about what's going on. I clear the air, tell her it wasn't me who said that. Everything seems great. Stacy's being so nice, saying she forgives me. I am so happy. And then we walk out the door and homegirl switches up. She's no longer making eye contact with me. She's deflecting all my attempts at conversing with her. But I remember thinking like at the time, oh, I'm just going to give her her space. Maybe she's still upset. But again, I was wrong. Things got even worse. The entire school, I felt like at the time, turned against me. Guys, someone even spread a rumor that I called this one popular kid. Let's call him Mark. Oh my gosh, all these pseudonyms are going to mix me up. Let's call him Mark. Um, Someone said that I called him gay for wearing skinny jeans. And this guy was just the nicest guy, but he obviously believed the rumor. I do have to own up to something, though. There was this one rumor that was true of something that I said, and it was about this girl shopping at Plato's Closet. I don't know. I should have definitely not made fun of her for shopping there because I was freaking shopping at Walmart. Okay, at least this girl owned brand name clothes. But yeah, I don't remember what happened after that. I don't know if I chose to stop hanging out with them. But shortly after what I felt like the entire school turned against me, I made a new friend named Giselle. She was an absolute angel. I don't know what I would have done without her for the rest of seventh grade and a little bit into eighth. Uh, Only problem, Giselle missed school a lot because her mom didn't speak English. So she would always go to her appointments with her mom to translate. So what would I do when she wasn't there, you ask? I would eat lunch in the bathroom. I would go lock myself up in the stall for the entire lunch period and just hang out on my own and eat my lunch while sitting on the toilet. So sad. Things did get a little better. I found a new friend group. I think it's important also to mention that my closest friends were from church, so they just didn't go to the same school as me. But yeah, let's go into high school now where I think, you know, the effects of junior high really hit me hard in high school. When I say I got close to zero non-Assyrians in high school, I would not be lying. I'm talking about, you know, an actual friend I got close to that didn't, that I didn't already know from church or youth was zero. I mean, I had people I talked to in class and may have had, you know, some serious conversations, but in terms of let's hang out after school, you're like one of my closest friends. Yeah, that was zero. The same two or three best friends I had in junior high from church and youth were the same friends I stuck with in high school because now we all went to the same school together. And those are Leona, Fiona, and Paldina, my three best friends till this date. I did get close to these two other Assyrian girls, but I want to say that maybe lasted, I don't know, a year or two. One reason I didn't really get close to anyone was because my mom would not let me hang out with non-Assyrians outside of school. So what's the point? Two, I developed severe anxiety talking to people who were in Assyrian because I did not know how to act with them. I just spent, what, eight years of my education struggling with my identity and who I was to people who weren't from my community. I just became the quiet girl to them. I wasn't necessarily awkward. I would consider myself being nice and sweet to everyone, but I just did not go out of my way to make those type of relationships. I would also say it's not like People didn't know who I was or I didn't know who they were. I took a lot of AP classes and a lot of students in those classes I would, you know, consider to be the popular or most known. I don't know. You you get what I mean. 
It's just I cannot explain to you how much I struggled with needing to be someone I wasn't with them to the point where it was better if I just kept to myself. I mean, I was that girl that walked to class studying my note cards. There was this one section where all the popular kids sat at that I had to walk by after lunch every day senior year. I would get so much anxiety walking by those tables because I just didn't want to be seen. This is really embarrassing to admit, but me and Ted started talking, I don't know, January, February of senior year, and he was amongst the popular people. And I projected so much of my anxiety onto him in our relationship that I felt like I couldn't hang out with him or walk up to him and say hi because he would be embarrassed of me. I don't know. I don't know why I thought so low of myself and thought of Ted above me in school. It was obviously all in my head because he came up to me all the time and would kiss me on my forehead when he'd see me walking to and from classes. It's just I felt like whenever he was around that specific group of people, I didn't know him and he didn't know me. And that was all my doing. Third reason I didn't really get close to anyone in school is because I never felt the need to. I have always hated fake relationships. Well, I shouldn't say always, basically since junior high. And there was way too much drama with friend groups at school. And I was very happy with a small group of friends I had. Although in the school setting or my community at school was very isolating, I had absolutely no problem being social, outgoing, friendly with my Assyrian community. I had like two very different personalities from how I was with people at school and how I was with people outside of school. I was extremely comfortable with my Assyrian identity and that identity was accepted you know, amongst my Assyrian friends, acquaintances, people I met at church or Assyrian organizations. I was so much more confident in my appearance too because I felt like I met the beauty standard of my community, but I didn't meet the beauty standard of those I went to school with. I don't mean that at all in a conceited way. I just meant like dark brown hair, dark eyebrows, dark eye or brown eyes was viewed as beautiful with Assyrians, whereas blonde hair, white skin, colored eyes was viewed as beautiful in school. So all of this with me being introverted at school, outgoing with my Assyrian community community was, um, you know, the case for my high school years. I wanted to make sure I gave as much background information on my life to really get you to see how I became the person I am today, which is probably very unnecessary. Oh, side note, my high school English AP teacher once told me I wrote essays in like an Assyrian, not an American, meaning that I gave way too much background information in my explanations, which I guess to her was how Assyrians talked, and I wasn't straight to the point. So sum it up, outgoing with Assyrians, shy, introverted with non-Assyrians. All right, then something happened when I was 18 and towards the end of senior year, which I won't go into, uh, that made me withdraw a lot from my direct Assyrian community as well. I stopped really going to church or youth groups, and I didn't participate much in any Assyrian events, and I started to date the love of my life. When I got to college, I really wasn't shy anymore. I didn't feel insecure. I just could not care less. If you're listening and you're still in high school or about to go to college, I need you to know how insignificant you are to anyone there. In high school, teachers knew you by your name, knew your life story, had access to your files from your entire education, talked to other teachers about you. Yeah, in college, you're lucky if your professor looks at you, let alone says hi to you, let alone knows your name. And the people you go to classes with, yeah, they don't care who you are either. Even if you're a freaking D1 athlete in your college, your classmates do not know who you are or care. And I loved that. I adored every second of it. 
When I tell you college was the most liberating thing and the best thing that could have ever happened for my anxiety, I flourished. I graduated top of my class, got the best grades I have ever received in my entire life. You think I walked on campus caring who I passed by like I did in high school? No. I I will say, though, I did get social anxiety walking by the fraternity and sorority tables, and I think it's because those tables were just a little triggering and reminded me of high school. But other than that, it was great. And can I just say, I love that I could be alone and no one saw as weird. You sit and study alone, you eat alone, you walk alone, just so much to do alone without a care in the world. I finally became so comfortable with my introvertness because finally it felt like it was something I chose to do. I like I had control over it. You know, at this point and onward, I no longer considered myself as social and outgoing, but I also didn't consider myself as shy. And I really got to know myself, which maybe that will be a whole other episode on how college shaped me into the person I am today. But back back to being an introvert, like I said, I took comfort in being alone a lot. I didn't really put myself in a lot of situations that would you know, force me not to be alone. I am at peace when it's just me, myself, and I. Now, with that said... I don't consider myself as having any deeply rooted issues from what happened to me in elementary school, junior high, high school, and what I said previously about something happened when I was 18. I am over those events. They don't like plague me. But I would lie if I said those events didn't have lasting effects kind of on my behavior. I do have some level of social anxiety. And let me just clarify, it's not to the point where it's debilitating and I can't get through any type of social event, but discomfort feeling overwhelmed, worried about what I say and how I say things are true feelings of mine that happen when I am in a large social setting. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably feel like that. I just wanted to clear it out and say it's not to the point where I qualify for any type of diagnosis. My fiance now, on the other hand, is a social butterfly. He loves hanging out with people, being with his friends, seeing his family all the time. He doesn't prefer to be alone. So me being the complete opposite of that, you can imagine the arguments that sometimes take place. He validates my feelings very well and respects, you know, my anxieties. But also I can't expect him to miss out on important gatherings because I just don't want to talk to people anymore. Compromise is what it's called, I think. You know, oftentimes a social media is used to explain how introverts feel in a social setting. There comes a point during a social setting where my meter starts depleting and I am running out of any type of social energy. But because people around me, I can't just get up and leave, right? A lot of introverts say that they physically and mentally feel exhausted after being so stimulated in a social setting. And it couldn't be more true. For example, if there are back-to-back events or just several days in a row where I have to hang out with a large group of people, it gets to a point where I literally start crying because I'm just so tired. I can't explain to you the exhaustion that I feel. And the only way to increase that social media or battery, the battery I think is what they say too, is by recharging at home by myself and feeling like I gained enough me time before I can go out into the world again. I am very lucky that I have people in my life that understand that about me 
you know, my friends, my family, Ted, because there have been days where I've had to tell them I I need to stay at home, locked up in my room, in my bed, and I'm sorry, I don't want to hang out with you. And hey, it's it might mean more than a day, it might mean an entire week. It doesn't mean I'm in a dark place, I'm going through something, I'm depressed. No, I'm just in the chrysalis stage of my butterfly cycle of life. My alone time is my cocoon, and when I finally come out of my cocoon, I am ready to spread my beautiful wings out to society again. I wanted to end this episode by going over some facts I found online about introverts and how they kind of relate to me because this podcast is about me. Okay. Um, there are four different types of introverts. There's the social introvert, the thinking introvert, the anxious introvert, and the restrained introvert. The social introvert's definition is, I think, what most people are familiar with when they think of an introvert. It's those people who prefer small groups. They like to stay at home, maybe with a book or computer, only hang out with close friends. But, you know, there's no anxiety with large crowds. They just really prefer to be alone. The thinking introvert is someone who's like introspective, thoughtful, self-reflective. They don't like hate large crowds. Like the social introvert, they love to daydream and they're really creative. I think I'm definitely a mix of social and thinking introvert. I'm a social introvert because if it was up to me, I would actually avoid large gatherings. But I also identify more with the thinking introvert because I'm a master of daydreams. I have an alternate life up there in my head. Like I'm playing the Sims game in my mind constantly. And I am very self-reflective. Having self-awareness is something really important. And I am introspective. I analyze and reflect a lot, which explains why I am in the field that I am. The third type of introvert is anxious introvert, and they are the ones that definitely feel awkward and shy and self-conscious. They have a lot of anxiety when they're not alone. They play things over and over again in their head. You know, I might be a little bit of this one too. Um, The last type of introvert is the restrained introvert. These are the ones that move at a slower pace, prefer to think before they speak and act. They're also known as being reserved, like aren't impulsive. You know, actually, after kind of going over these, I think I lie somewhere within a spectrum of all of them. So, you know, not one shoe fits all. Second fact is introverts can have fun in social settings. And just because they're quiet or not talkative doesn't mean they're not having fun. And I just need everyone in the back to hear that because it's freaking true. I will be having the time of my life just vibing and enjoying everyone's presence. I just think because I'm not doing the socially standard thing of showing that I'm having fun, people always assume that I'm not. Third fact, introverts don't like small talk. Oh my God, this is spot on. I hate, hate, hate small talk. I dread it. You will never catch me networking with professionals in my field because I am so averse to small talk, which is definitely a flaw of mine. My family likes to give me shit about this one because I'm not a going getter, as they say, when it comes to important people I should be talking to. It's just whatever I get out of that person, it's not worth enduring the small talk conversation I have to go through. All right. Fourth fact, introverts are deep thinkers. And listen to this. I will read it word for word. Since introverts use less activity from dopamine, they rely more often on a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. I think that's what how you say it. Acetylcholine, just like dopamine, is linked to pleasure. The difference, however, lies in the 
pleasure that is produced from turning inwards. This allows the individual to ponder and reflect deeply and focus on one task with great attention for an extended period of time. Acetylcholine also influences one to prefer calm, quiet settings over loud, crowded places. So guys, if you're an introvert, there's your physiological or biological reason as to why. Okay, the last fact is my favorite. Um, happiness is not a top priority to introverts. This article that I'm reading off of also mentions that this seems very odd, especially in a culture that, you know, emphasizes happiness so much. But the reason is introverts to like like to prefer to maintain in a neutral emotional state whenever they're doing something like a task or whatever, because happiness is an arousing emotion that can distract introverts and it gets in the way of completing the task efficiently. Whereas extroverts, you know, see happiness as a motivator. When I read this, can I just tell you everything clicked? People have always questioned why I don't react over the top to events that people would think that I should. I don't express emotion that way. I'm not a person who jumps up and down to things, like shows that level of excitement or happiness. I just don't feel the need to express myself in that way. And when I do, it really comes off as not genuine. I've been called pachta many times, which means saltless or bland, but it's basically used when someone is being or acting bland in a situation that typically you shouldn't be bland or saltless in, where you should have a lot of salt. And everyone in my life who's called me that is an extrovert. So if you're listening, you know who you are. Suck it. (laughs) Just kidding. Alrighty, folks, that was all I have for this episode. Once again, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and other episodes, please give me a quick review and subscribe. Love you all, my introverts and extroverts. Uh, So talk to you later.